0: Since we watched uh, The Office last week, both versions of The Office, first, I just wanted to say about The Office, man. So I watched uh, some more of the UK one, and I really got to give it huge credit because I got to a point where they hired David Brent to do like motivational speaking because, you know, he's a manager of a company and he got recommended. Someone recommended him just by saying like, oh, he's a great talker. He's charismatic, which, yeah, you could see why someone would describe him that way. But obviously these people that hired him for this job don't know what he's like. You is know? that
1: the one, I think that's the one I saw, where he shows up and he's wearing the t-shirt and he's got the baseball hat <laughs> on? Yeah.
0: So you did see that one, yeah? Yeah. Like I, I had to take a break <laughs> before he got to the, the event. I'm like, I'm going to bed, I'll watch this tomorrow, because I just, I can't see this. I can't watch it. I don't want to see this guy be ridiculous. But then what I really got to give it credit for is, as I was just drifting off to sleep, I was thinking, like, if I had to write that show, like most TV shows, if you give me the gist of it or let me see some episodes, you know, I might not write a great episode, but it'd be good enough. Like, whatever. Where, like, I always used to think this with The Simpsons. Like, if it was my job to write The Simpsons, it would only be worse. Like, I just can't do it. I can't hit the beats they hit. And it's the same way with the UK office. I'm like, if I had to come up with what he did, there's just no way I'd think of it. They think of all of these weird creative ways for him to be the worst.
1: <laughs> Last week, I watched one of the British ones, and I watched two of the american ones and the American one doesn't even compare mm. the British one is very edgy it's very uh, and it leaves so much to your imagination and there's so much of in people's looks and in their gestures and they're they're not they're, they don't overplay it like if you weren't watching them really closely, you'd miss it. But every once in a while, like, you're watching it, and you just see a little eyelid raise or an eyebrow raise or a lip has a little curl to it, and that's all you get as to what's going on. Whereas the American one is very similar to what I find most American comedy TV shows are like. they they got to lay it right out for you.
0: I noticed, too, especially last week when we watched them, one thing I had never noticed before until I watched them back-to-back, it was just that the camera work is different. Like, the British one, you almost could... Claim is a documentary, where the American one, they would do that whip every time someone had a reaction. You can't just cut to the reaction. The camera somehow knows to whip right over and catch Jim's little, you know, look to the camera, and then whips over to Michael Scott to tell the joke. And it's, yeah, even that, it's like the action movie version.
1: The two shows I watched, I found them boring. I also found that they didn't limit themselves to the office set itself, which the British guys pretty much do. They very seldom step outside of that. Uh, that One of the American ones, my God, they showed them at the theater, it showed them on the street, it showed them in the office, it showed them in the parking lot. And that was all in one show. So they had a lot of scene changes. The British guys don't seem to feel the need to do set changes. They just do it all right there in the office and it's all the reactions of people in one locale. There's and they pull it off, like, really well.
0: There is a little bit, like, they go do, like, a pub quiz or whatever, but, yeah, very much less than the yeah. American one. But I thought, too, just, uh, it's actually kind of kind of handy that you've watched some more of each, because just this little thing, this is only, like, a minute and a half long, but I just, I forgot this even happened, but it is kind of a nice little moment where they actually did do a crossover where the two bosses met each other. <laughs> so it's kind of a just a weird little thing. Sorry, no, Oh, sorry, mate? Excuse uh, me? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? English. You're taking you? the mickey. you picked on the wrong person. I've no, 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 mickey. I'm not picking on you yeah. at all. What You're you English, doing? correct? Yeah, big time, yeah. I'm working you? on an English character. Would you mind, give, I'm, it's called Reginald Poofta. Oh! <laughs> David Brent, my liege. How are you? <laughs> Michael Scott! Oh, bloody no, no, hell. No, no. I, I do characters as well. Um, I've, got a, I've got a Chinese fella, not politically correct, but he's called Holy That's <laughs>. what it sounds like. <laughs> I, I do beans. Hello? I, I pee.
1: You can't do that these days, I bean. No, no, no.
0: no. no. Right. And people don't understand that it has nothing to do with making fun of a, of a different nationality. No, yeah.
1: no. Comedy is a place where the mind goes to tickle itself. That's what she said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. No. That's good. Oh, Pleasure to meet you. Where are you working? Dunder Mifflin. Any jobs going? No, not right now. Just let me know. All right. See you around. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, nice guy. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of neat to see because it's like, yeah, those two idiots would get along. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a nice little moment of the two bosses. Uh, but what I thought maybe we could watch this week tying into that is uh, because... So, so The Office was Ricky Gervais' breakout thing. He wasn't really known before that. Then he was in a whole ton of stuff. But then I think the first time me and you probably watched him, but you probably didn't really realize who he was at the time, were the, the Carl Pilkington shows, The Idiot Abroad. And even those, like, we haven't watched them since they came out, so it's been at least 10 years. So I thought maybe we could just toss on... I found one of these like where at the end of his travels, he comes back home and recaps everything he did, and he just talks to Ricky and Steve as the other guy that wrote The Office. So it's just fun to watch Carl again and just remember his dumb adventures. But uh, it's just neat, too, to see Ricky Gervais be himself, and just to... I think I mentioned this last week, but it's sort of a nice... It's like a, a sort of relief that you're like, ah, oh, he's not David Brent. <laughs> like, he's still really entertaining, and he's a good guy in his own right, but it's like, oh, he's not that guy, though. Because, <laughs> yeah, apparently how this started, really weird. So, so yeah, he was in this band in the 80s, and then that failed Ricky Gervais. So then he his normal job, I guess, was uh, radio. He worked in radio, and this guy Steve that he co-wrote The Office with, just he just hired him as an assistant, and they got along well. And... Ricky just to fuck around, he just had this character he called CD Boss that's just based on any bad boss. And he would just be the CD boss. And they were like, we should write a sitcom about the CD boss and pitch it to BBC, just pie in the sky nonsense. And then it got made and it turned into The Office. And it's like, wow, well, all right, <laughs> nice work. And then how they met this guy, Carl is after the office blew up they went back to radio they would do radio on the weekends just to. except now it's like a celebrity thing oh ricky gervais is on the radio he used to work here but you didn't care back then <laughs> now we have famous ricky gervais on a radio show so carl was just the uh the guy who ran the station and they would just occasionally you know get him on on uh air to ask him about something hey carl what's this blah 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 and just more and more they started to realize that this weird manchester carl pilkington is just a just like a really downbeat kind of uh, misanthrope but really funny and really clever and just just a weird guy so they kept bringing him on more and more and then that evolved into you know he, he never wants to it's amazing he even left manchester he never wants to leave england this guy's such a curmudgeon let's send him to Egypt, (laughs) you know, let's, let's send him on the trip that everyone else wishes they could take just so he can complain about it. And it became this famous travel show. And like the whole series of events is so weird. But anyway, so I just thought maybe we'll watch one of those because, because I always loved those. If anything, I might like the Carl Pilkington stuff better than the Ricky Gervais (laughs) stuff. Because what really made Carl stand out to me was when he went to see the pyramids, Because, you know, you see so many of these travel shows and they're so, like, oh, everything is so amazing out in the world. Everything is so wonderful. Where Carl was like, all right, here I am. I'm standing at the pyramids. Here's what they never show you on TV. Turn the camera around. And there's a pizza hut right there. Yeah. And there's a a dirty, uh, uh, a nappy, he calls it, but, you know, a diaper, a diaper flowing through the air. And he's like, they never show you that either. This place is, is a scum pit, kind of, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm seeing the pyramids, but, like, why does every travel show have to act like, oh, I'm seeing the pyramids. Why can't both things be true? It's and, amazing. And it's
1: true. When you get to those places. Yeah. Um, like, I remember going to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy. Right. Holy guy. It's not at all like what you see on TV. Well, it is. I mean, the tower's there, and it's leaning. <laughs> right. and it's amazing. You're wondering, like, how the heck can it even stand up? Because it's leaning at such an odd angle. But there's all these people around, and dirt, and filth, and you know come and let me sell you this and let me sell you that and commercialism all over the place like ugh.
0: yeah and i just don't see why uh you can't uh acknowledge that you know i think it's important
1: because <laughs> so, nobody would want to go and see this stuff
0: yeah <laughs> but yeah he's always been definitely my favorite travel guy because of stuff like that for sure So we're gonna watch uh, *Idiot Abroad* season two, episode eight. Carl comes home, where he just recaps all the stuff he did in season two of *Idiot Abroad*. Cause yeah, like I think we watched all of these probably back in the day, but it's been ten years, so yeah,
1: time to watch them again.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like it's new again when uh, (laughs) when enough time passes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and i mean he's definitely not wrong like i don't think i would take this deal either like even if you get to travel the world and see all these places but you have to do all that stuff that he had to do i don't know I don't... And for the
1: most part it looks like he's completely miserable doing it
0: yeah <laughs> and i mean even just yeah like on the small little a small level like when uh before corona when i did my last batch of traveling Like, uh, just before I left Amsterdam, I got really bad, like stomach, whatever, just stomach bug. And yeah, I had no choice. Like I had to leave. I already had flights booked through Russia to Japan. My next Airbnb was in Japan. Even if I wanted to stay until I wasn't sick anymore, like how would that even work? I would have had to book another Airbnb in Amsterdam, rebook all those flights, rebook. Everything would have been so expensive i just had to do it and it was so miserable and that was still relatively easy i still just had to sit
1: and when you travel you kind of want to have good memories but you know here he is eating rhino dung and (laughs) rotten fish and going through jungles where he's wet and cold and there's mosquitoes biting him all the time (laughs)
0: And I always think of kind of the opposite. I mean, obviously, I have a great respect for Michael Palin and, you know, his Monty Python days and stuff, but he is the other... Kind of travel guy, where if you ever see his travel shows, it's very much like It's
1: very pleasant.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, look at the beautiful sunrise. You want
1: to go, and you want to do that stuff. Yeah. After you watch this guy, you don't want to go any of those places.
0: Yeah, like uh, in particular, I always think of I think as the other season, but where he went to India. And it's not like I ever particularly had India on my bucket list, but after seeing that, it's like I just I really mm-hmm. don't think so because it's just yeah, it's just crowded, and he got instant you know instant diarrhea (laughs) just like oh man but yeah that's the i think that's what i like about his just his no bullshit is like i still want to travel i still wish i could i miss with corona not being able to go places but i think you shouldn't go into it without realizing what it is like and then if you still want to go great but yeah, don't pretend it's So <laughs>
1: yeah, don't don't pretend that you're gonna get into those really hot countries and you're just gonna look fresh as a daisy. Your clothes are gonna be sticking to you. Your, there were times in there, he said, "Oh, that just that's gonna give me a headache." And yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be.
0: Even just that, yeah, just at that basic level. If yeah, just getting a headache, even that, like that's gonna happen way more when you're traveling than when you're not because you're just under more stress in general. And yeah, like, that's the tip of the iceberg. And I think, too, because, like, it's one thing with travel shows, but that's one thing that has not, like, necessarily cleared up with the internet age, where a lot of stuff, it's, it is more, you know, it's just, like, people making YouTube channels and stuff. So things are more honest. But not so much with traveling. Like, you still get youtube travel people or instagram people taking pictures and it's all set up to look so pretty
1: or or they'll show people like traveling on the train or at the taj mahal or at the tower of peace or whatever they don't show the getting there the crowds the complications the overcrowded buses and how you may have to walk a good long distance in good hot sweltering weather and then you see it. But normally what you see is, well, there it is. But how did you get there? And some sometimes that can be pretty friggin' unpleasant, time-consuming, and crowds. And, yeah, this guy kind of gives you all that.
0: Yeah, and it really is. Like, it's kind of perverse in a way. Like, the other guy, Steve, the tall guy, he mentions many times throughout the series, like, I can't believe you're being so down about this. Like, I would love to be able to do these things. But that's the irony is like, yeah, well, you don't get to go. Carl gets to go because he's the one who doesn't want to. And like, that's what's so weird about these shows. But, but yeah, I don't know. It is really... Because then if you can get through to him, if he likes something, you're like, fuck yeah, all right. <laughs> you know? It's not just this like, yeah, like everything is so great. Everything's so beautiful. Or like, uh, like that part where he's in the jungle. And yeah, just that, like our vision, we're so disconnected in North America, at least, and probably in England too, where like my idea of the jungle is still like the Disney jungle book cartoon. Like even just seeing how many flies were everywhere, like all of the gorillas had flies everywhere. And even that, had never occurred to me. It's like, yeah, of course they do. <laughs> of course they would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not Treasure Island. It's not... Robinson Crusoe. It's And he not mentions the mosquitoes.
1: Pleasant. Well, you know what mosquitoes are like here and how annoying they can be when you're in the heat of the summer. Well, there, it's hot all the time. They would be there all the time.
0: And you might get malaria or something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> or, or, or black flies buzzing around your face and trying to get in your eyes and in your mouth and in your nose. And yeah, I mean, that's, of course, it's like that. But that's not usually the vision that you have.
0: And I like, too, in that, like, I like seeing that other side, too, of Ricky Gervais, where Like it's still obvious that, you know, it'd be tough to be friends with him. He's obviously the kind of guy that is always needling at you and poking you and stuff, but he's not David Brent, you know, uh, which is just, you know, very relieving and kind of nice. And yeah, that third guy, Stephen Merchant, he actually has gotten kind of famous too. He has kind of become an actor in his own right. He was in like a Wolverine movie a few years ago and he had his own show too they've all had their own shows that aren't necessarily that good <laughs> but, but i don't know it's, it is kind of neat that of the office not only was the office really good and then it spawned the american show which is not as good but still you know hey it could be worse but then it spawned all this other stuff and it's just amazing how many layers to this onion there are but in some ways carl is my favorite of all of it of like you know the office is great but you know i, I watch it every decade or something it's not really a big part of my life where those Carl shows, I mean, like, I've read almost all of his books. I think he has a second Moaning of Life book I haven't read. But, yeah, all his travel books anyway. I, I went and bought them all one year. I'm just like, fuck it, I'm buying all of these. And, uh, yeah, I've watched those shows at least two or three times through.
1: He puts a really, uh, he puts a realistic picture on stuff. Like, even when he's traveling around in Alaska, oh, yeah, you get the impression that it's freaking cold there. And, of course, it is. Yeah. We know that. We live in a cold country like that. But sometimes when you watch it on movies, TV, oh, it's like, I mean, everybody's wearing parkas and that kind of stuff. But they don't give you the impression that it's fucking cold. And you don't want to be out there. And his idea of his having that cushiony pants. Well, yeah. personally, I think that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, that issue what that made me think of is that the first time I went to Amsterdam, and uh, when my friends Matt and Chris were there, it wasn't so bad. I was still feeling a little stressed because I'd never been overseas before, but at least I had you know friends with me. But then after they left, yeah, like I it went down fast. Where right? I was just there by myself, and that's where I, I stayed maybe another week. And then I bought a plane ticket home because I just was freaking out. And I was getting all anxious. But right after they left, I was looking for my next Airbnb. I couldn't quite find the place, and I sat down on like an elevated manhole cover thing, and somebody had peed on it and I didn't realize <laughs> and I got pee all over my jeans and they were the only pair of jeans I had. I was really trying to travel light and that was when I realized I'd, I have to have two pairs of pants. So I went to a Starbucks bathroom and cleaned them as much as I could and then I had to go buy a pair of Fucking pants.
1: It <laughs> cost yeah. a fortune.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was 99 euros for some Levi, which is like what is that? 140 dollars? I could not believe how expensive they were. But I didn't know where to go besides the tourist area. <laughs> I'm sure if I just went to a discount store in the edge of Amsterdam, it would be a normal price. But I didn't know how to get there. Anyway, if I had the pilco pump pant, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't have been nearly as bad. But if
1: you want to stop and sit, people think, oh, well, I can just go sit by the curb or I can sit on that bunch of cement blocks over there. But if it's cold out, those friggin' cement blocks are pretty damn cold and that'll go right through you. Yeah. But if you had those pumping pants, hey, perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, like they do look a little silly in that design, but it's honestly, yeah, not a bad yeah. idea at all. and
1: you could take the thing off. You could take the... the the cushion out and put it around your neck so when you're sitting on the bus and you want to have a little snooze you've got your built-in cushion your neck cushion i think it's a great idea
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess what makes him such a good tv presenter is he really is the opposite of i mean just take ricky and steve like ricky was in i'll just show you after the clip of ricky from the 80s in his uh, in his his band he was in but he was a musician you know he wanted to be david bowie uh Stephen Merchant, not as much, but that is how, you know, him and Ricky met, is that he went to university for BBC television production type stuff. Carl didn't do any of that shit. He had no, even the slightest inkling of a dream that he would ever have anything to do with any of that stuff. He just worked at a radio station. Apparently he was a really good, like, very competent manager of the radio station, and that was going to be his life. So I think that's what, it is just different. Like, if you grew up with that, like stage mentality of like I want to be a celebrity. I want to do celebrity shit. I think you do just naturally like you don't want to rub people the wrong way so you become fake cuz you want yeah. to be popular. You ex-
1: yeah, you exude ent- enthusiasm. Yeah. Carl doesn't. He's just like your average guy like and he's a little bit a little bit down yeah. about stuff but very realistic and I just thought of another use of that uh the pan? <laughs> of the pad pillow take it out and when you want to lay down somewhere on a park bench or whatever you've got a built-in pillow
0: <laughs> but yeah like he definitely has the mentality of like if my downbeat attitude is unpopular and if I don't get to do another TV series that's fine why would I care about that <laughs> and like yeah like that's just that little change in mentality is not how anyone else would approach these things if they started complaining too much then the back of their head they'd be like is this going to be a an unpopular show, am I not going to get hired again if I don't quit this? Or Carl's like, fuck you, here's the truth. <laughs> bullshit. The bullshit man. Yeah, so anyway, I just thought that was, ties in nicely to uh, to The Office, and uh, yeah, I just need to watch that again because cause those are really good shows. But. The
1: other thing about Carl, why that is probably successful, Carl is very much like your your common man. He's not he's not overly handsome, but he's not bad looking, but he's right. not overly handsome. He doesn't put on airs. He's very much like your average man off the street. And his feelings about things after he's been to these places are very realistic. I mean, I think there's a lot of people after they travel, they say, well, when I got there, it was all right, but the getting there kind of stunk. And the getting home again was kind of stunk, too. Yeah, <laughs> He's very, uh, very down to earth, very much representative of the common man.
0: Like, I can see why people initially kind of thought he was a character. Because he does kind of feel like a stereotypical sort of put upon just, uh, you know, stiff upper lip British guy. But but yeah, the more you see him, it's like there's no way this guy is an actor. And now at this point, there's no question. He is just Carl Pilkington. This is the guy. But yeah, initially, like, because it is sort of a British stereotype, but he, he embodies it so completely, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, yeah he's... Uh... Very enjoyable to watch. But I think people like him because, yeah, you can relate to him very easily. You can see some of those things that he's done. You may not have world traveled, but some of those things and his reaction to them are very much, you know, like like the common man. You can say, oh yeah, I, I, I get that. I can see that I would react that same way.
0: Isn't it weird, too, the idea that, like, in some ways it's like uh, if you want something, you don't get it? but if you don't want something, you do get it. Like, even just the fact that he became such good friends with Ricky Gervais, who is a huge star in England. Now, he's a pretty big star everywhere, but huge in England. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of people that wish they were Ricky Gervais' friend, but Carl gets to be Ricky's friend because Carl will argue with him and won't put up with his nonsense, but... Also will, I guess, but just...
1: Get sucked in. Yeah.
0: But just the, that he doesn't care. That he doesn't care about any of this. He doesn't care about being famous. He doesn't care about seeing the world. He's... He'll be Ricky's friend, but I'm sure he'd be... So he'd survive if he wasn't. He's not gonna chase... Oh, I can have a famous friend. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> and it's just funny that not caring got him all this mm-hmm. way. And he really is, like, legitimately clever. Like, his books are... It's amazing just how his brain works of just like because they're just like funny one liners, kind of just his weird little asides and his way of seeing stuff. And it's one thing when you get these clips on a TV show, but when you read a 300 page book, it never ends. That's how his brain works all the time. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. So it's like clever and stupid at the same time. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, there we go. That was our quick little tour Of Ricky Gervais' life, starting from The Office, and who is his greatest achievement, Carl Pilkington.